You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Pure Pleasure with Dewey Halpus on Equal Vision Records and Sound Talent Media. I am Dewey, your host with the most, bringing you more great content week after week. This week, we have Chris Dudley from Under Oath. He is a incredible dude, so talented. Uh, the stuff he's doing with Under Oath is really crazy because he does all the electronics, the keyboards, and all that stuff, samples, things you don't usually listen to like directly. But if you actually hear what he's doing, it completely colors these songs in a way that you can't recreate. It's really, really fascinating. And now he's doing score work for movies, uh, video games, all kinds of stuff. And I was fascinated by that. And I wanted to talk to him about that side of things because uh, we all know what you know, Under Oath does. The, those guys have been on the show quite a bit, Spencer and, and Tim. Um, and now Chris. So talking about his film scoring career um, how he got into that stuff is really fascinating. I think you guys are really going to love this one. It's a really fun chat. Um, Chris is just a super humble and friendly dude, uh, and it's just a blast. So let's get some business out of the way, and we'll jump right in. So thank you to Rockabilia for sponsoring this episode. Rockabilia.com has over 500,000 items officially licensed from the bands. You can find Under Oath merch on there, absolutely. Go over and get yourself something from Rockabilia.com. Use our code peer 15 for 15% off your order. That is peer P E E R 15 for 15% off your order over at rockabilia.com. Thank you for sponsoring the episode. Uh, we have peerpleasurepodcast.com is the website. Peerpleasurepod at gmail.com is the email if you want to get in touch with me with guest ideas or questions or comments. We also have the Facebook group, the Peer Pleasure Podcast Inner Circle, as well as the premium service, which is peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm where you can sign up for monthly or yearly and you get access to the videos of the episodes, the uh, ad-free feed, as well as the past cast. All right, guys, I'm going to quit rambling here. I am stoked. I'm sorry this is a day late. We bought a new car uh, last night, kind of on a whim. It was really fast. Uh, there's just a lot of chaos when I normally do this. And so I am a day late. I apologize. Uh, but without further ado, 
Let's get into my conversation with Chris Dudley from Under Oath. this there you go okay well, let me do this a little bit what was like that what so. happened that's crazy so i i'm running this through my apollo okay um and then i had the uh basically the the, the preamp was only on what only affected on one side so i just linked them and now gotcha. sound proper. So. there we are there we go well there not now i fixed it so thanks for helping me do that <laughs> Oh, also, uh, do you want me to be recording the audio on on my end? No, you sound absolutely you are... perfect. Okay, great. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, Works you sound me. real good. Um, All right, good deal, dude. Well, welcome, my friend. I I appreciate you coming on, man. I I yeah, had, yeah, of uh, course. Spencer's been on twice, and Tim's been on once, and Aaron was gonna come on at one point. <laughs> it's just been a in uh under oath extravaganza over the last couple yeah, of years. Yeah, no. No, I had uh I mentioned to Spencer that uh that I was coming on. He said he had a good time. So, yeah, I'm I'm all about just hanging and chatting and yeah, so yeah, so this sort of thing for me is uh yeah, always I always have a good time. Excellent. Excellent. How was Tribeca then? Yeah. Oh, man. It was uh it was amazing, honestly. It's it's wild to me because like um I I had a film in last year as well. Um, but last year it was like, I had this like mentality of, okay, this is a once in a lifetime experience. Like this is never going to happen again. Um, and then when I got a film in this year as well, I was just like, holy cow. Like it was, um, honestly surreal. Like it was similar to the last time I was there in that, like I was just in rooms and in meetings and in talks with people that um, I was just like, I have no I have no uh, reason to be in this. Like, I shouldn't be in this room with these people. Like, it's it's kind of like that imposter syndrome thing where yeah. you're like, oh, all you people are like professionals and you know what you're doing. And I know who you are. And I'm like 
I feel like I'm just faking it over here. Um, so there was there was a lot of that, but you know, more so just it sounds super cliche, but just so much thankfulness. Like as you know, I'm I'm doing all this stuff. I'm just kind of like trying to take as many chances to just look around and be like, wow, like this is like a thing that I get to do, you know? So yeah, it was, it was crazy. I had a great time. I stayed a lot longer this year. Um, cause last year because of a schedule, I had scheduled a film to be working on during it. So I was only there for like three days last year and I, I, but I spent a whole week this year. So I was glad to be able to do that, man. That's awesome. So that's in New York city and, and, uh, Tribeca film festival. So how did you, how did you get into scoring movies? That's, I'm curious on that. I know, I know your background, background, you know, with, you know, uh, synths and electronics and, and, mm-hmm. but how do you jump into scoring? So, um, th- there was, years and years of me looking at film composers and just being like, man, like that would be, that would be an amazing thing to do. Like if, you know, if you could ever get into that job, it would be awesome. And then like, you know, I, I've always just been such a nerd for movies in general and, you know, film music. And, um, I, uh, I came out of, I, we had a day off on tour, uh, one time and I went and saw the Danny Boyle film sunshine. I don't know if you've seen that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I love that movie, but I remember vividly walking out of that screening and saying like, that is what I want to do. Like, you know, cause I, I knew that John Murphy had scored sunshine and I knew that he had kind of, co- he had come from a rock background as well. You know, he was just in a rock band and then like he started scoring, movies and you know and i didn't know how he had gotten into it until what's funny is he posted this video online literally like six months ago where he was talking about how he got his start and it was literally the exact same thing where he the same thing i did where he just decided he wanted to do it and then he just said that he did it he was like hey this is now a thing that i do um and because i had um it was really my wife that pushed me into it because we we were laying in bed, we were watching something. I don't even remember what it was, but um, I was like, oh man, I'd love to do that one day. She's like, well, why don't you just say that you're doing it and then see if anything comes up. And in my head, I, I'm, I have all the excuses of, um, you know, I don't know how to do it. I don't even know where to start. I don't have connections. I don't blah, blah, blah. And then, uh, so what I did is I posted a thing on my, on my Twitter and on my Instagram. And I said, um, that I was opening up my studio for writing projects. So if anybody had a, an album or a video game or, uh, a short film, um, then, uh, you know, to get in touch with me and, uh, you know, I'd like to work with them on it. And, um, all that just with the goal of hoping that somebody would contact me saying, Hey, I have a short or I have something. And that happened. Um, there was a, this director on, uh, that, 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 uh, I connected with on Twitter and he was like, Hey, I just did this short and, uh, you know, I'm looking to do another one. And I ended up, uh, doing some stuff with him. And then I actually have a friend that I grew up with in Florida and he was working on a short and he was like, Hey, you know, I've got like basically no money, but if you want to do this, you know, you can. And it was that, you know, and then it was just a snowball effect of like, I worked on these small things and then, you know, there's, you know, the 
cinematographer for this thing that I did was working on this thing. And, you know, he puts a good word in and then, oh, this other guy met this other guy. And it's, it's the kind of the thing is uh, similar to in the music industry too, where it's like, oh, I met this guy. He was cool. Like you guys should hook up and do, you should do something, you know? So yeah, it was, you know, long story short, that was the, uh, that was the genesis of it. And then it just snowballed. Dude, that's so cool. Just to say you do it because yeah, just say yeah, I already bro. do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start doing yeah. that, man. That's amazing. I've I've tried to do that stuff with like uh, voiceover stuff and things like that. You just have to know someone to get in there because anyone can really do it depending on yeah. the project. Like it's not as – I mean not to say it doesn't require skills, and but, but you know, everyone – most people have a voice and it, it'll be good for something somewhere. So you just yes. have to know somebody, I think, to get in there. But like it's uh, with scoring and stuff, that's just such an interesting thing. And and one thing I believe it was the the deep dive series that Matt just did on you guys, where mm-hmm. he pulled out like a lot of the stuff that you do in the band and played it on its own to show because mm-hmm. oh, a lot of it even, blends I in. Heard that. That's cool. It's so it like, but it pulls it out and and isolates it so you can actually hear it and you're like oh my god like that's why i love this part of the song so much right it's this part that you almost feel you know what i mean like it's kind of disguised by all the loud guitars and everything but if you pull it out it loses it like it it has to have that piece and it was cool to showcase that um and 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 hear that because especially when you're watching a movie if you're there just to watch the movie, you're not always listening to the music or the score, right? You, you're not huh. listening to that stuff. But when you when you actually like pick it out and and listen for that, it can be fascinating. Like what went into even even um one one category I didn't even know existed in the the Oscars was like 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 sound mixing or whatever, like the the uh, mm-hmm. dialogue, um, yeah. where they go back and do things. Like if a car drives by and they have to go. Mm-hmm. Um, Kira from Black Flag, the bass player from Black Flag, won a won an Oscar for her team mm-hmm. for Mad Max Fury Road yeah. or whatever. That's an art, like doing yeah. you know doing Foley stuff, doing sound design, sound mixing, all of that. Like um, you know this, there's a feature that uh, that I just got done with not long ago. Um, that's actually premiering on Friday, and I worked really closely with the uh, the sound designer and the sound mixer for that. Mm-hmm. And just seeing what he's able to do uh, was crazy. And also at the same time, his job really, it's its similar to a VFX artist in that you, you want to make sure you don't notice what it is that they're doing. Like they do their job best when you don't notice it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, there would be, there would be times when, you know, there, the, the, sound that they got on set was just atrocious and then he would come in and he would like put in new room tone he would have like clanking of dishes there'd be you know all this stuff that should be there that wasn't there or that was distorted or whatever and he you know you watch it back and you're like oh yeah this is what it's supposed to sound like and then he'll he can just hit a button and you're like hey here's what it actually sounds like and it's yeah it's crazy and you know it's it's not a skill that I necessarily have, but I have, uh, you know, a lot of respect for the, uh, for the people that do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you get to color things like it's It's so cool. Like, so when you're scoring, of course you have the film in front of you playing, right? Like where you can actually watch it versus when you're writing a record, you don't necessarily have the song all done, 
but you're coming yeah. up with parts that just exist on their own. And then the yeah, song it, builds around it. That's yeah, super well, weird. It, it, yeah, but it also depends on the project and it depends on the, uh, you know, the, the, the state, uh, I guess the, the, uh, the stage in which you're working. Cause you know, there's been a couple of films that I've done where I just start writing right away. Like I'll get a script and I'll be like, Oh, you know, here's some stuff that I think could work cool. And it's not, um, you know, the stuff is not written to picture. And like this, this, I did this horror film called bad candy and I wrote probably 20 minutes worth of music when I got the script. Cause I was like, I know what this is going to be. I can feel it, blah, blah, blah. And then I saw like the first bit of footage and then I was just like, Oh, that doesn't work at all. <laughs> so I just had to go back to the drawing board. But, but, you know, conversely, there was another film that I did where I wrote a bunch of stuff ahead of time and they actually uh, took a lot of that to set and they were like playing it on set while the actors were, you know, doing things and they were like pacing stuff out to the music. So, you know, I, I would say 80% of the time I'm writing to picture, like I'm looking at it in front of me, but you know, those other times when I'm not, I, I think that that's probably when the, when the coolest stuff happens, if I had to say, mm -hmm. but um, yeah, I don't know. I used to think that I preferred one way or the other, but I've kind of gotten to a point now where I just realized that I, um, for some films writing a lot of head works and other ones it doesn't and i'm just kind of st i am still trying to figure it out so <laughs> dude that uh there's this uh david or is it david lynch that did lost highway um yeah. he i heard a story about this where he had these big wedges on set <clears throat> and would just blare music like rammstein and like very industrial music Mm -hmm. blaring it like hurting your ears blaring it while they're doing these scenes where they're walking prisoners down the 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 aisle and stuff and he said it was because the way people like hold their shoulders and like when they're being tortured or not tortured but like being uh something's acting upon them that mm -hmm. they don't like and they're uncomfortable they have a different look their body has a different look and that's how he was able to get some of those uncomfortable moments uh, to really shine through was the blaring sound on the set that wasn't in the movie, yeah. But just like screaming at you, you know, uh, talking yeah, through I a bullhorn. Heard, yeah, I haven't <laughs> heard that story, but that sounds very David Lynch. I believe that a hundred percent. Yeah, so, but what you're saying, like the the um, taking the music you did and putting it on set to inspire them, inspire that mood or that that feel uh made me think of that because it was just like i mean that's an extreme case of yes yeah, borderline yeah. abuse um yes. <laughs> but it gets the gets the movie done yeah no it's it's cool and what's rad is um the film that i that uh that that happened on um that i did i'm working with that director on his next project and um we're you know i'm i'm getting stuff here and there as as i'm able to and i'm sending it to him and like he's actually um, going to be sending it to the actors to be like, Hey, here's, here's what this world feels like, you know, so you can kind of get into this, this zone, you know? Um, and I think that's, that's really cool. Like, uh, you know, anytime that the music can actually, uh, you know, inform what's happening on screen as opposed to augmenting it, I think is, uh, is yeah, really, really cool, man. I, I am, uh, I am stoked 
to chat about this world because something I know very little about, like I, I love uh, music and film. I love um, like, like the, what's the guy's name that did there will be blood uh, that score for oh, that movie. Johnny Greenwood. Yeah. Oh geez. And he did that. I think he did a record with Nick cave. Uh, I haven't heard that one, but I, he also, cause this is the guitar player for Radiohead. Um, and he, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. He did. Uh, oh he's God. done a, yeah, he did that score. He did, uh, the Joaquin Phoenix movie. You were never really here. Uh-huh. He did, uh, Phantom Thread. Um, he's done a bunch of like, oh, he also did power of the dog on that's on Netflix. Uh-huh. If you've seen that he's, he's amazing. Like, I mean, but he's just a musical genius. So sure, um, I didn't put that together. Yeah. He's blowing my mind all over this. Yeah. Thing, and right? also, I don't know if you know, but uh, Tom from Radiohead, the singer, yeah. he he scored some stuff as well. He did. They did a remake of the movie Suspiria um, and he scored that. Um, and he I mean, he's a genius as well. Like I, I just those guys are just like Mount Rushmore musicians for me. Like, yeah, uh, they're 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 so damn good. But also, like what makes me feel good is like I've read interviews with those guys talking about their process and they're talking about, you know, when they're working on a film and they're just like, uh, they, they just can't, they feel like they shouldn't be doing it and they feel like they're just not good enough and they don't have any good ideas. And like all these things that like, as an artist, I've had so many times like nights where I'm just like staring at the ceiling and just be like, what the hell am I even doing here? You know? Uh, so to hear like these, absolute genius masters say the exact same stuff that I think regularly. I'm like, Oh, okay. Well that's just, it's part of the process then. And you know, it makes me not, not feel so bad. <laughs> yeah. You're a humble person. They're all, a lot of those people, I'm sure very humble people, even though everyone holds them in a very high regard. In, yeah. And, and I don't even doors. know if it's, yeah. And I don't even know if it's necessarily being humble. It's more so just like actually like, it's not like, oh man, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I should like be doing this. It's, you know, oh, it's just little old me. But it's literally like the existential dread of like, am I going to screw this whole project up? You know? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I feel like people could say that sort of thing in like a fake, humble way where it's like, oh, I don't know, man. I'm just doing my best. But like when it, when it is happening, it's just, it's like, oh, I'm going to get found out. Like these people are, they're going to, this is it. Now they're going to know that I don't know what I'm doing, you know? Yeah. And uh, I actually just had a a producer that I work with text me today because he had heard the stuff that I had done on my last film. And he just randomly reached out and said that, you know, he enjoyed it. And like, I got like emotional because I was like, literally yesterday I was thinking about that film. It's not out yet, but I was like, I, did I do the best I could? Like, it, is it good? Like, I don't even know if it's like worthy of being in the film because the film is so good. And d- am I messing the whole thing up? It's, uh, it's just, a, it's that just dumb artist shit that you hear people talking about all the time. And, uh, but you know, try to kind of take, take a step back and look at it. It's just like, Hey, I'm, we're, we're just making music, you know, it's just movies. It's just art. Like, it's not like we're, we're not curing cancer over here. So not, not to put too much, uh, don't put too much pressure on ourselves. (laughs) Well, the pivot too, from, from being able to pivot between those two, from music to, to scoring, like, you know, when things go like the band stops or, or something happens and you can't do the band thing anymore. You can do this. Like, it's such a cool pivot. 
my cousin was a, a record producer and went to school for it and everything like uh did like an internship with uh, bruce swedeen who did like thriller and stuff oh wow had like a whole studio everything in seattle and then just stuff just dried up people started recording at home uh mm -hmm. bands weren't coming in regularly you know he was working with casey bates and on a couple records and and um he spun that into doing audio forensics where oh, like wow. lawyers will call him up and say, Hey, I have this, you know, voice message. Someone turned their phone on during a crime, uh, whatever it is. And I need you to clean this up so it can be audible in court. And there's not many people that do it, but then he started doing that and the money was really good. And so mm -hmm. he would like, Hey, we had this, you know, uh, officer involved shooting, uh, but the, the dash cam was recording it or whatever. He's like, okay, well, I need the gun that was used like, like the same style. I need 500 rounds of ammunition. I need to go out and fire those off. So the guns used, and then I need to try to, uh, take the statement of how far away they were and blah, 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 and recreate that and show what it would actually sound like. And, and, um, mm -hmm. there's some cool stuff there, which I know it's not scoring, but it could be another pivot that could be cool is getting oh, into something yeah, like that. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I am just such a fan. Like, I, I love hearing that sort of stuff because I feel like so many people, whatever their career happens to be, if you're doing it long term, I would say eight times out of 10, if you ask somebody like, hey, how did you get started doing this? They would say, "I, dude, I just kind of fell into it. Like I was doing this other thing. And then somebody was like, hey, do you want to Whatever it is. Do you want to help mm -hmm. me build this deck? Do you want to help me fix this car? Hey, you're pretty good at that. Do you want to blah, blah, blah? And then like they just kind of keep doing it. And like a lot of times it's it's um it's by necessity where it's like, hey, this thing I was doing wasn't working out and this opportunity opened up, you know. And and I'm very similar in that um, you know, I am not like I I want to be able to uh score film just until I'm elderly. Like that is my goal. I would, I would honestly love nothing more than that. But at the same time, like I'm, I've always got my eyes open for, Hey, is there something else? Another opportunity that's presenting itself? Like, um, you know, is there something else like some gig that I could get that I'm not thinking of? Like, I'm not, I'm, I'm trying to not like completely put myself in a corner. I mean, cause you know, as a, as a creative in general, like it's, it's a weird it's a weird career choice because you're you it's not so much a thing where you're able to sit down with a spreadsheet and say, okay, I have to do these 122 things today. It's sit down, create something that's good mm -hmm. and hope that people like it and they want to, so you, you can somehow make money at it, you know, um, you know, and I've done some work in like, the, you know, video game world and I've done some, you know, producing with other bands and whatnot. And I honestly love all of it. So I'm just kind of in a spot where I just want to keep doing like music, audio stuff, wherever. Um, I just happen to love movies so much that this is kind of what I'm, you know, really pushing towards. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you remember when you started to really notice you had a creative spark? Was it really young for you? No, it wasn't. Honestly, like, um, you know, I grew up in a really small town, like, uh, it's this town in Florida called Williston and it's, uh, there's only like 2000 people there at the time when mm -hmm. I lived there. And, um, I loved music. Like I always loved music. I always loved movies, but growing up in a small town, there's a 
view of art and artists, I think, of that's what those people do. Like the idea of play, <clears throat> playing in a band or the idea of making a movie or doing anything that any sort of art that other people will see was just such a foreign idea. Um, just because, yeah, we were just so secluded in our town and, you know, it was kind of a redneck town and, it, you know, there was not a whole lot of art going on. And uh, my mom bought me a guitar because I wanted to learn how to play guitar. Um, you know, I listened to a lot of heavy music when I was like in, you know, middle school, early high school, and I wanted to learn how to do that. Um, and I became a uh, barely passable guitar player. Uh, but I just knew that, you know, I love music and I wanted to somehow express myself in that more than just headbanging by myself in my room to, you know, Metallica and Fear Factory. So <laughs> Uh, I played guitar for a bit and then, um, I went to school with, uh, I was in high school with, uh, Under Oath's original singer and, uh, he was like, Hey, I've got this band and we've got keyboards and we want to, I I'm playing keyboards and singing at the same time. And I don't want to do that anymore. Um, and I ended up being asked to do that because I could barely play guitar and they're like well if he can barely play guitar he can barely play keyboard so you should just have him come and do it and yeah and that was really it and then i uh i'm still doing that so it's uh yeah it's wild dude i, I think the first under oath show i know the first under oath show i saw uh was at the meow meow in portland oregon and i believe it was with zeo and it was mm -hmm. in the middle of the summer, and it's a little room upstairs. Like you walk up these stairs, and it was a little room. The stage was like four, uh, maybe six inches high. Uh, I remember it, dude. I, I, when the sun still sleeps was, I believe, the opening track because I was still getting up. This you guys opened the show, so I, I was still trying to get up the stairs to get in, and that electronic part comes in there, mm -hmm. and uh, I was just like, "Whoa, that's rad." And then the whole song kicks in. I was like, dude, I got to get upstairs. Like, I'm trying to get upstairs. And I bought the shirt. It's that one with, like, the stone angel on I it. The old that, yeah. shirt. <laughs> I think I wore that in, like, three promo photos with Anatomy of a Ghost when we were doing our thing. But, like, uh, yeah, that was that show changed so many things in this town for for the scene when that came through. And, and uh, I think I probably told uh, Scott about this from Zayo and Dan. Um, uh the same story but like it was so red that was like the first of the bands was you guys and that was what i saw and that's why i immediately went over and bought a shirt before the next band even started i couldn't awesome. tell you what the next band was uh but i i love that like it's it just i had no idea what to expect and i just hear it first it's, it's yeah, yeah it's and so boom. rad when when that sort of thing happens when you're going to you know when it when an opening band just like blows you away like I, that's happened to me a handful of times where I, i'm going to see somebody else and then this opener that i've never heard of is just like what you know who the hell is this i i love that and the fact that yeah we were that band for anybody i think is yeah Dude. super rad like i, I don't, i'll never forget i went and saw um dillinger uh they came down to florida and oh brother was opening and i had never heard oh brother before i i, I knew the name but i'd never seen him mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I walked out of there just being like, this is one of the best bands I've ever seen. Like I was just, yeah, I was, I was blown away, but yeah, that, that tour with, uh, with Zayo, that was, uh, that was a good time. That was, um, yeah, it was crazy. There was, a uh, yeah, some great dudes on that tour. I think, um, 
There were a couple dates on that tour where our tour combined with the Coheed and Cambria tour. Was that one of them? Uh, n- yes, but Coheed, yes. Coheed uh, canceled that night. Uh, I don't remember okay, what yes. happened, but yes. it was in that club, man. There was a little, so you know how people are building out camper vans right now and like they have mm-hmm. those little units that open up. There was one of those little skylights that opened up in the middle of the room up there. That was the only ventilation. Oh, uh, I remember. I remember the heat in that room. Mm. It was bananas. So, so that show then would have been us. Unearth was on that yes. show. Zayo, Coheed and Cambria. Um, Is it from Autumn to Ashes? Yep, from Mom to Ashes, and then a band called The Underwater was on that as well. Um, because okay. basically, all of our our tours combined, and then the the band that was that was opening up our tour, and then the band that was opening up the Coheed tour dropped off. Um, and then they just combined them. But I mean, even then, you know, Meow Meow held what like oh three hundred people, maybe like, two fifty, yeah. three hundred. Yeah, it was it was tiny. It was hot, but yeah, that tour was that was a great time. I I have such fond memories of that tour. And you know, the Zayo guys, like we owe we owe our career to that band in general. Like, mm. um, you know, we w- we would not be who we are if it were not for that band. Like that that's just like. It, it's it's very simple. Like we heard, you know, uh, you know, where blood and fire bring rest, and we were just like, that's what we want to do. You know, mm-hmm. like that. That's that music can do that. That's what we want to do. You know. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've 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 gushed to all the guys about it. You know. So have I. <laughs> far 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 too often since then, but uh, yeah. So yeah, I, I love those guys. Oh, I do too, man. And it, it, that's the, when that brings up another cool point is tours combining we did a tour it was it was uh us with anatomy of ghost emery uh the beautiful mistake and our tour was like running alongside we were in the same town as so is avenge sevenfold my chemical romance and beloved Mm -hmm. and we were playing in the same town so san antonio like one of us playing sin 13 the other one was playing wherever and we would just meet up and be like hey you guys are here again right on and then Might management well finally was like, hey, in Dallas, let's combine this thing at the Gypsy Ballroom, and uh, which was the bigger room of the Gypsy Tea Room. And and uh, I'm sure you're familiar with those, but like uh, it was so whatever slot we had, we just sidled up to whoever. So like Avenged, Avenged Sevenfold and, and uh, The Beautiful Mistake played after my chem, which was mm-hmm. weird. So like uh, and then we had to share a green room with Avenged and my chem. And we'd never met the Avenge guys, but we'd met the My Chem guys quite a bit um, and became kind of close that way. But that, that, combining tours like that, those that crowd got one awesome show of like two massive yeah. like. I wish that was tours. just a thing that still happened regularly. Like yeah. that, there's been a couple times over the past few years where we're playing in the same city in the same night as like some awesome band. And mm-hmm. like my, that's always my thought is like, I mean, it wouldn't really work you know on at, at the at that scale but the idea of just be like man like we should just play the same show like if it were as easy as just like hey you guys drive your equipment over here and like we'll we'll do this you know um but uh yeah we we had um it wasn't this last headlining tour we did but it was the one before we had a day where we were playing down the street from ministry and um like i grew up listening to ministry i mm-hmm. love ministry and uh, got in touch with some of those guys. And we were just like, hey, you know, we're in the same 
town, blah, blah, blah. We ended up going out and getting dinner the next day because we both had the same day off in the same city. But I was just thinking like, I was like, yo, what if we just just played with ministry tonight? How sick would that be? I'll I'll go play with ministry in a heartbeat. That would be, it would just be so sick. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, did you know ministry before this? No. So like you called out, uh, so you went out to dinner with Al and them, like just Well, what's funny is literally... No, the rest of the band came out except for them. Oh, um, gotcha. It was, okay. uh, yeah, I was on, uh, I was on Instagram, and it, I, they had posted something about. Oh, I, f- I forget where we were, but whatever city it was, and I just, I just sent a message, and I was like, oh, hey, we're in town too, blah blah blah, and uh, I forget who it was that got back to me, um, but we got to talk, and it was like, oh yeah, we've got a day off here tomorrow i was like oh we have a day off too we should do like a group dinner and then yeah it ended up being like gosh like 15 18 of us it was like bands crew like we all went and got went to this restaurant and just yeah got some uh got some good food and hung out and yeah al didn't come but uh, i kind of didn't assume that he that he would uh not not negative i was just like hey he's got better things to do i'm sure um but uh yeah it was it was a it was a fun night and you know those sort of things for me like those like full circle like dang like i'm going out to eat with ministry that's cool you know like that yeah. sort of stuff i think is always yeah super rad or hey i'm going on tour today you know like <laughs> yeah exactly exactly man like uh, i remember so there was that first underrail show and we were still like trying to figure out what we were doing and who we were and wanted to tour and had all the means to do it we just had to make it happen and then between then and reinventing your exit coming out we had gotten signed put out a record and we're on tour in new york and i was trying to find a bathroom we were playing the continental and okay i I don't know if you remember that club but it was it was weird i don't know if we ever played that club okay uh and i had never met any of you guys and so i was walking to find a bathroom and i'm walking down from the continental and i come to cbgb's and aaron spencer and mm, Aaron Spence, I don't know if you were there or not. We're just sitting out front of CBGB's. And, okay. And uh, I think you guys were playing there because I was able to go in and use that bathroom. It was terrible. Um, oh, yeah. It was like a, uh, we were doing like a label showcase thing. It was, yeah. That, I remember that. that was before the record came out. Yeah. And I was just like, whoa, this, you guys are under oath. Like, I saw you guys yes. back in this day. And Aaron, Aaron <laughs> and Spence were super nice. And uh, uh, it was, it was such a cool little experience because it's like, now we're meeting in New York City, both on tour, like doing what we want to do. It was that kind of like everything kind of comes around full circle again. But um, yeah, such a strange thing. And then uh, Russ, who who is tour managing for you guys for a while, yeah, yep, he let us stay at his house. Before that, the nicest guy in the world. Oh yeah, went out rad. and bought us yeah. all Taco Bell in the middle of the night. Like, is there anything yeah. else I can do for you guys? Like, you were staying at your house. You guys yeah. come through town years <laughs> later, and he's your tour manager. I'm like, dude, like you I did remember it. that guy. Yeah, yeah. There we go. And so oh, is this all these rad. connections that come around dude, that's later? One thing, yeah, that's one thing that I because me and my wife we used to live in Atlanta um, before we had kids. And that's one thing I miss about living there is we had uh, our basement there. No, no basements in Florida. Yeah. Um, we had our basement and I had that basically just set up for bands to come and stay. And that was like, that's just something I just love doing. Like I love just having bands come over and stay and like, you know, having their own, their own space and, 
you know, just play video games or watch movies or whatever. And you don't, mm-hmm. don't really do that anymore. Cause, uh, you know, got three kids and no basement and, uh, doesn't really work as well. But, uh, yeah, no, that I, I, I feel like, you know, particularly, you know, growing up and, you know, playing in a band where we had to find people, just random people to stay with. Like, I mean, you know how it is. Like, you know, you're already, if you're making any money, it's barely any, but then if you have to pay for hotels, you're, you're, you're paying to go on tour. And there were so many awesome people that I met that we met doing that. And there was, and I, and I remember how important it was like when we, when we would get somewhere and there would be like just a, a bathroom with a bunch of clean towels in it. And then like pizza, I would have been, I was like, yo, what? Like you, you have a, a shower and you're just giving us pizza. Like that was like, it was like a big deal, you know? And so when, you know, we bought our first house and, um, you know, we didn't have any kids or anything. I, I told my wife, I was like, Hey, like, this is something I want to do, you know, because it's super important. And uh, we, we, when me and my wife, uh, when we have that discuss, you know, that lottery discussion that you have of like, hey, if I hit the lotto, you know, here, here's what I would do. <laughs> yeah. I have this whole thing. I have this whole thing planned out where I, I'm gonna buy when I hit the lotto because that's how those discussions go. Uh, buy a uh, like a condo in Tampa, and somehow work with local promoters to where and it would basically be run like an Airbnb where there'd be like somebody would come in and clean it and stuff. But it would be like, Hey, if you have a band that needs somewhere to stay, they can go and stay at this place for free and just have it stocked and like have a whole, whole thing. Um, yeah. Cause I think that would be like super cool just to have a, a dope spot that bands could come and hopefully, you know, not get stuff stolen, but Hey, if I hit the lotto, steal my stuff, yeah, I don't steal care. it. Take it with you. Yeah. <laughs> I still have some towels, I think, from the Marriott Orange County because <laughs> they were big enough because I'm six foot five. Like I, I need a big towel and I, they had them. So I packed my suitcase, like three of them from the pool, the bright orange towels and uh, still still have them to this day, man. But like that's well, something and they've been washed. So they yeah. work as opposed to like, the, you know how sometimes you'll have the the venues who will get the towels, but they're brand new. And then you try to dry off with them and it just smears the water across your body. like And the white lint everywhere. (laughs) Pre-soaked towels is what you need. Yeah, those fresh, fresh towels. Uh, Those things like you're saying with the place for bands to stay, they just don't exist in America. But like in, in like Germany and stuff, they have those band apartments you guys have probably stayed at. Or like I didn't know that was a thing. Really? No. Wow. Okay. Well, a lot of venues have an apartment upstairs just for the bands to stay at. And then you come oh. down in the morning and someone's grandmother's making you breakfast or, or like a, that's awesome. The hospitality is insane. But then over here, you're like, here's your pizza and your socks or whatever was on your rider, like uh, the cheapest soda we could find and, and some old pita bread and hummus. Like over yeah. there, they're like, you know, what do you guys like? Like, you know, my, my mom or whoever's going to come cook for you. It's like this is living, man. Like, and you have these like I'm moving to Europe. <laughs> yeah, like the, the, they have some of them had like gold sheets and like mirrors on the wall everywhere and like just rad furniture. And it's just these like band lofts. It's in it, you got mothers cooking for me and free healthcare. I'm I'm freaking moving. There now. you Let's go. <laughs> there you go, man. Yeah, but maybe you could change that. You could put that band loft here and get that culture starting over here. There we go. There we go. Just, we'll we'll get it started. See, that'll be a, <laughs> that'll be our thing. Like we we're talking about keeping eyes open for opportunity. We're somehow going to monetize the uh, the band department. Yeah, 
come have them come over. You can stay for free, but you have to do a podcast, and then you can monetize the podcast. And then it's that's, whoever's that's business thinking. Yeah, who's in my bed or who's in my room? Yeah. Like that's what it'll be called. And it just <laughs> random, random, either like uh uh like up and comers or like yeah, local bands, whatever. Not local bands; they have a place to go, but uh just random cycling through touring bands. I would subscribe to that. Honestly, that'd be so sick. How many? Let me ask you this: How many times have you woken up on someone's floor, uh, in their house? Well, you thought it was their house, but it was their parents' house or something. To where there's like a mom in the morning, like, um, who are you? Have you that been there? Has, it's happened less than it, it's happened more than zero times. Okay, it it, it, it has happened, um, and very uh, <laughs> very awkward. Uh, uh-huh. but you know because you just. You know, we used to just take people's word. It's like, hey, you can come stay at my place. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll go stay over there. And then, man, sometimes you would just, there'd be things that you would find when you're there where you're like, man, I don't know if we should, I don't know if we should be here. We had this one time. This is a great story. So we were, uh, this was, this is around the time that you saw us when we were at CBGB's. It was before their Only Chasing Safety came out, but okay. Spencer was in the band. And um, so, you know, we were playing shows, but it, there were nothing. It was nothing huge or anything. It was probably, you know, hundred to three hundred people at a show, and we were playing in this venue. I forget what city it was, and uh, there was a there's like a big storm, and the power went out at the venue, and we were sitting there waiting to see if it was going to come back on, and we we're just sitting there in the dark, and then it got close to showtime, and nothing was happening, <clears throat> so we were uh, announcing that the show was not going to happen because there was no power. And there was this, uh, there was this girl and she's like, Hey, you guys can just come play at my house if you want. Like she was like kind of half joking, I think. Mm -hmm. And we were like, wait, like, can we, like, can we, can we all just drive over to your house? Like, we'll just throw up some guitars and drums and play. And she was like, yeah, like, she's like, that'd be amazing. You should come. And, uh, we were like, all right, sick. So we literally drove to this girl's house. What's going on, guys? This is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid distributes your music across all online platforms. They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks, and they're going to be with us for a while, and I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies, and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, They have an awesome thing they're doing right now called Splits. Now, if you're working as most people are online, doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online. And splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits. And all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, You can use Spotify Canvas, synced lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze. And you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid. And I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. 
distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now, distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or nothing more than a One Hit Blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest, to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday. Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure our premium subscription service that's available now. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. There's three tiers, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier two gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the past cast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls well, with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the past cast. The past cast is a podcast that I'd started separately that is me and another podcaster or me and a guest. Uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. Um, So there's a bunch of those on there. So so so-and-so and and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of uh, that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, It's just another glimpse behind the curtain. So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable part of your month, because I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peer pleasure 
www.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. And we like moved furniture out of the out of the uh, out of the living room and set up drums and guitars and the whole nine. And um, you know, it was a house, so like we couldn't fit everybody from the show. But most of the people from the show drove over to the house, and then we just crowded in the house. So I think there was probably like seventy five people or so in the house played the played the show in the house, and it was it was pretty rowdy, but like nothing really broke. You know, everything was fine. They, she had all these like. Uh, like collectible like trinkets like on shelves on the wall and it was like super oh, nerve-wracking but um we played and uh show went good everybody everybody had a good time and then we were packing up at at the end and uh we were like hey you know thanks for you know letting us come this is cool you know we, the, the show wouldn't have happened if it weren't for you letting us come play here and she's like she's like yeah you know no problem she's like well you know it's it's not technically my house, um, but, you know, and I was like, I was like, wait, what? And turns out it was her boyfriend's house. And uh, I talked to her somehow down the road. I had heard back from her. And what had happened, she told me then, was that um, her boyfriend wanted to come to our show but all of his friends wanted to go see Incubus that night. They were playing in the same city. So he went with his friends to go see Incubus. She came to our show and then we go to his house and play. And she had like taken video of the whole thing. And by the time he got back from the Incubus show, everybody had cleared out. The place had been cleaned up. So he walks in the door and she's like, hey, how was the show? And he's like, oh, it was cool, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, and he's like, well, how was the Under Oath show? And she's like, oh, I took a video of it. Do you want to see? And he's like, yeah, <laughs> let's go. And she puts the tape in because that's, you know, how yeah. long ago it was. And it's literally us just raging in his <laughs> living room. And he was like, wait, what? Like, he was like freaking out apparently. And uh, yeah, so good, good story. He was bummed that he missed out, but it was, uh, yeah, they, they lived together and it was his house. But it was, yeah, it was funny. That's hilarious. That would never happen to Incubus. Well, now anyway. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you come play at my house? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think we'd. I don't think we'd uh, play a house anymore. But that was great to be able to uh, do that at the time. It's 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 funny when you look back on that sort of thing where you're like, man, I can't believe we did whatever the thing is. Like, you know, sleeping on concrete in a parking lot or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. It's like, oh yeah, like that was, that was cool and fun back then. But the idea of like doing it now, it's like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Like <laughs> the, the awkward walkout when you get somewhere you're staying and you're just like, yeah, I don't get a good vibe here. I'm going to go to the van for something. And they're like, yeah, me too. I'll come help you. Hey, help me get this box of shirts. And you just yes. <laughs> out of there and never come back. Oh, uh, <laughs> That definitely happened a few times. Oh my god, yeah, that's amazing, dude! I filmed it, cleaned it up, and then showed yeah, them the dude. video of it. Yeah, so sick. Like, <laughs> I, I, I would love if if somebody related to whoever that is is listening or watching this. I would love to, uh, I'd love to be able to a see that video and also like hear what it, you know, what that experience is like from the guy's perspective. <laughs> that had to have been freaking wild. It's too bad they didn't have YouTube reaction videos. Yeah, right. then because that would have been the ultimate just like huh oh yeah that's it Ooh! the trinkets Those on the wall collectibles. the trinkets <laughs> <laughs> oh my god dude uh speaking of that though like 
I'm I'm curious just in general about the you someone that uses the electronics like you do, keyboards, all that stuff, and then just goes absolutely bonkers on stage, sweating and flailing around. How how much extra stuff like how many duplicates of equipment do you bring on tour with you? That's a good point. Uh so I have a lot of stuff that I just will not bring on tour like i've got i've got this guy here i've got this one over here mm-hmm. which i love both of these but they're both expensive yeah and uh i've got i don't even know if you can see it i have a, a roland seo2 and a couple i have a bunch of stuff that i love but i'm very mindful of not bringing on tour because i don't want to ruin it mm-hmm. um so what i do is i actually just sample the whatever you know like if i have a if i have a piece that I wrote on this that's in a song, I'll just sample it directly from here and then I can play it on my uh, out of contact running through main stage. So um, the controllers that I use live, I always bring two of each. So I have the one that I'm using and then I have a backup. So I, so live, I use a uh, an M-Audio uh, Oxygen Pro 49 an Oxygen Pro 25, and then I have a MPC Live, and then I also have my laptop with that's running main stage, which is like basically the the, the brain of of everything that I do on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I I'll usually um I'll, oh oh sorry let me uh do that sorry my mom oh, okay. was calling um but uh, no I'll usually uh get uh you know about a tour or a tour and a half out of a keyboard um but then by that point the you know the the moisture is caught up with it and it gets mm-hmm. gets pretty gnarly but um but honestly those those m audio controllers are like they're my bread and butter like i, I love those things so much like um you know i use the the uh uh complete control a native instruments controller in my studio for my main controller, but I even have, uh, I have another, uh, M audio one up there, but yeah. So usually I have one and then a backup, I get a, a tour or a tour and a half out of a controller, but the, I have the, the MPC live and that has lasted me, gosh, like almost four years. I've been going on the same MPC live, which is, wow. which is, uh, it's a testament to how much of a beast that thing is. Yeah. I would assume you went through like a laptop and a half on a tour and like, you know, like, if something went down, say your laptop crashed, you have all that stuff backed up somewhere where you can just buy another one and 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 go for it, right? Yes, I yeah, I have my uh my laptop, uh, I have like a time machine backup of it. Uh-huh. I don't have a backup laptop. Sure. But and thankfully I've never needed one, but my um my plan would be that if anything ever did happen, I would take my like my personal my studio laptop that I also bring on tour and I would just restore that to the time machine backup of my stage computer Mm. and use that live um i've only had one instance where like a a big deal thing didn't work and that we were we were playing this festival in france and my mpc live just stopped working and i uh, i didn't have a backup um because i just i didn't bring it for some reason i don't know why and that was a that was like uh it was like it's like the nightmare when you have to go up and give a speech and then you realize that there's nothing on your on the, on your paper and you just get up there and nothing's happening. <laughs> uh, like we're playing this huge fest in France and I, it's probably like 15 minutes before showtime and my tech comes up to me. He's like, he's like, hey, the NPC is just not turning on at all. And I was like, 
Oh no. I was like, and I went up uh on the stage and just nothing was happening. And and like that thing is like, I can't play a show without that thing. So what I ended up doing was in a frenzy, just trying to find the most important things that I had to have off of it. Because mm-hmm. I have the samples backed up on a hard drive. So I took those samples and brought them into contact and just like did such a shoddy duct tape job of putting it together and i was just playing it off of my laptop but it it was not fun yeah not not fun at all but backups are 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 important always always backup yeah i see that that's wild dude like that uh, that's what i was curious about i was like when that stuff goes down because you'll see some techs cover guitar pedals with saran wrap like because Mm -hmm. of the sweat like angus young has like he is sweated through guitars like he, yeah, he has an amp guy on two of them that fixes the amp mid set. He has like eleven heads, and if one goes down, the other one starts, and then he goes down and fixes it. There's a pretty cool yeah. little documentary on that that's pretty awesome. But like when that stuff happens, it'd be catastrophic. And that's why I figured yeah. you're, doing, you're sweating like crazy. You were going nuts up there. You're going more nuts than t- like you're going insane. I like I having a that. good time, but but the problem is that, that I also then sweat a lot. And what I started doing back uh, once we started touring on Erase Me is I started wearing long sleeve shirts when we play live. And I actually have like a sweater underneath the the long sleeve shirt. So I have like two layers. And the sweater is just to like absorb moisture. Like it just sops up sweat. That way the sweat is not running down my arms and onto the stuff. So like mm-hmm. at the end of the show... Like my shirt weighs like five pounds, but my stuff is close to dry. So, uh, yeah, it's it makes it a lot hotter, but uh, yeah. it makes it my stuff lasts. So, so yeah. you get those massive salt stains on your shirts and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So and I, at first, I had thought about trying to get like those the bracelets, like the um, the uh, you know, like the tennis bracelets or whatever. Yeah, like the Monster Energy I, wristbands that. Yeah, but then I just felt like I felt so dumb wearing them i was like i can't do that so i just started yeah start wearing long sleeves and because you always yeah, have your was. hand in the air going like this and you would just be that's waving just the, the flag of monster energy yeah, like <laughs> monster no i mean if they want to sponsor me and play and pay me i'll yeah i'll do that but i uh, guarantee they would do that yeah uh, i don't know it. i don't know how that works like uh we've we've never had anything like that um where uh anybody sponsors us in that way like we see it with like all these other bands or like have sponsors and they like do all this stuff but i'm like i don't know how that works we've never we've never had that but um you know what, what's funny is i remember we did um we did uh well this would be a great way to not not get sponsored by telling the story but uh we did that uh there's that mayhem tour and uh we did the first year of that and rockstar energy drink sponsored that and um it was about a quarter of the way through the tour, um, you know, because obviously they want people drinking the Rockstar yeah. energy drink on stage, but no, the, none of the bands were drinking it because they're like, we're playing. We're not going to drink an energy drink while we're playing. Like, we need water. So what they did is they set a bunch of uh, pallets of Monster Energy drink cans with just purified water in them uh-huh. so the bands would be like just chugging them on stage and people would be looking at it. it looks like you're drinking energy drink but it's just water and uh yeah i thought that was a fun bit of branding i'm like oh that's actually really smart because then you have guys just like pouring it on themselves and like in in the crowd you're like oh man those guys are going crazy but it's just like yeah no, it's just just water do you realize though like this that happened on warp tour too the monster walk tour water yeah that was liquid death before liquid death 
Yeah. And now Liquid Death is like making all this insane money. It's just Doing the, the same thing. Can't yet the branding's crazy. insane. But see, yeah. you have Randy. You have Randy yeah. in your team, one of the most innovative artist managers I've ever seen that could get this sponsorship deal going. I or guess. come up with something maybe. better. Maybe. Uh, I, I maybe uh yeah, maybe you you talk to him. You say I hey, will. Dude's a get genius. Get under oath sponsored by something. He hasn't know. been on the show yet, but we'll <laughs> we'll get him on the show and I'll talk about this because like, hey, I'll, I'll, if, if you if you can squeeze me a a monster sponsorship out of the deal, I'll make sure he comes on your podcast. I could probably score you a Monster Energy drink sponsorship tonight. I'll text Rick Thorne here uh, after this and say, "Hey, my boy needs a sponsorship tomorrow. He's been sponsored by Monster for twenty years, however long yeah. they've been around. He's wearing those wristbands and everything. <laughs> the problem is, though, you're gonna have to wear them. You're gonna have to wear them, and oh, you'll be I'm like, fine God, with that. Dewey, great, thanks.'" No, dude, I'm fine with that. Plus, I drink that stuff anyway. Like, I, I'm such, I, I, like, I'm not a uh, a drug user, but the amount of caffeine and taurine in my system is uh, exorbitant. Like, it's 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 insanity. It's not good. Uh, yeah, so I should probably chill it out. But yeah, yeah. But I guess if uh, yeah, if I get sponsored by somebody cool, then it's like, no, I got to drink it. It's, yeah, you know, yeah. Well, Randy made the live stream happen. Randy made that. Yeah, no. I mean, do you take take nothing into something? Yeah, no. I, honestly, he's he's awesome. Like you know, and he's been our manager. He's our only manager we've ever had. So yeah, um, yeah. He's yeah. He's the man. I like listening to him talk. I like listening to him on other shows. He's just a a, a real brain. And, and yeah, uh, no tech and stuff. He's really into that stuff. It seems mm -hmm. like it. It just it's cool to listen to him. Uh, just wax with people on on that kind of stuff these startups and things and, and yeah no he's yeah he's super smart and you know we're, we're lucky to have him in in our corner and um you know it's cool like with him being you know savvy on the tech end because he knows i'm like the tech guy in the band mm -hmm. so he'll text me every now and then like hey have you seen this thing like hey check this out blah 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 you know so yeah it's it's yeah pretty cool hey total side note sure. i just noticed uh the, the the banner that you have behind you uh -huh. i can't tell what that picture is but it looks like the cover art of that trap them album do you know what album i'm talking about i do it's not though it's actually uh uh nick sadler from daughters um, okay it was a picture when we rebranded the show i i had a picture in my head of like an empty stage like post-show when it's just like all the the emotion is is like left there like right after a show black and white everything uh the font everything in my head and when i signed equal vision uh i rebranded the show and i had i gave alan ashcraft all my ideas i was like this is what i'm thinking but then i found this picture and this picture is just spoke to me. It's basically you can't see it, but like the logo for the show, it's on the like the internet or whatever. But it's him like like pushing his head into the ground, like rolling up on his neck and like twisting pedals, right? Like messing with these pedals he has, and uh, it's it just exemplified everything that I wanted to to put forth with the image of the show That's of awesome. just this emotion. And we put the font over it. And went with it, and that's why my name's on it, because I wanted to be branded as a host, not mm -hmm. as just the show, because I want to do other things, host other shows, host, you know what I mean? So put the name on there, and yeah, so that's what the picture is, and we used it, <laughs> and we couldn't find who took the picture, 
And uh, so we just punk rock went with it year, year and a half later, get an email from Nick saying, Hey man, I hear I'm on a shirt. Uh, I'm cool with that, but I don't know if the photographer is. And yeah. so I reached out to him. I was like, dude, like who is the photographer? Like, tell me who he is. I'll, I'll write him right now. We'll get him some money. And, and like, we couldn't find it. And, uh, anyways, we went to the photographer and, and, uh, he was like, yeah, that's kind of wild. I, I have my stuff like watermarked on there with my name. I was like, it's not. We sent him the website we found it on. We did a reverse image search. Everything. We all our ducks in a row. And so we worked out a deal with him. Like, what what would you need compensation wise? And we, of course, paid him above that because yeah. we've been using it for a while. And uh, it's become like a funny story now in the background. But like yeah, awesome. this banner, I ordered it and it's eight by eight and it's way too big for the studio. So all you see is like this little <laughs> spot. And uh I was like, well, five by five is too small. Let's go eight by eight. And then so it takes up the entire wall behind. Yeah, me. it's funny because at first I thought maybe it was a banner that was made for like a live show or something. That like was a, the point to like go to events and stuff, live podcasts. We would have it. And yeah. uh, anyway, but Equal Vision ordered it and and uh, I just told him what size and, and the image. And anyway, you can't see any of it except his back. <laughs> yeah, no, it, from here, it looks like that Trap Them cover, yeah. which is, is it's that's probably one of my favorite album covers ever. Like, uh, you know, the, the one with like the, like the skull and like the, the gloves and the mask. Oh yeah. Plastic and all that. I, God, man, it's so good. Oh yeah. They're great. Oh yeah. Yeah. I I want, I want to get that cover sans the, the, the font, like no words on it. Just that Mm -hmm. picture. I would love to get that blown up like huge and just put it in here somewhere, even though I don't really have, a whole lot of wall space i'll put it on the ceiling or something i'll i'll, I'll find somewhere for it sounds like another randy podcast tonight you have a list of things you need to do <laughs> uh, i won't i won't bother him he's in the middle of uh figuring out what we're doing for the rest of the year oh, so perfect you need yeah. to say you need to yeah oh my god monster sponsorship banner uh send russ a gift card to taco bell uh all sorts of things we need to do yeah i'll shoot him a text right after this yeah i'll I'll text rick thorne i'll get you a monster (laughs) sponsorship this will happen and you can say hey randy you got an assistant and and there we uh, go dude (laughs) (laughs) uh what are i know a lot of people won't be watching this watching this but like uh what are those masks behind you Is, is that a collection of masks yeah yeah i uh i love masks uh in general i just i'm a i'm a fan and there's um yeah, I have quite a few. Um, what's cool is uh, uh, two of them are uh, screen-used masks from films that I've scored. Uh, like oh, I'm, cool. I'm lucky to have scored two films with that have uh, some sort of mask in it. Yeah. Um, and the directors were kind enough to to gift me with the the masks. Um, and there's a couple other ones uh, that are this this. There's this uh, this artist in atlanta his name's addison i've known him for a while and uh he is a he makes masks like that's what he does for a job Mm -hmm. and he's really good like the ones that you see that are like skin colored um that look at they were just like peeled off a person yeah that he makes those um and then there is uh let's see there's two more from this uh guy that goes by grave productions Mm -hmm. um he made two of them and then there was one that we got uh, it was, it's actually a, a head, like it's a full head. Uh, cause there's a venue that we played on our last tour and 
if you sell out the venue, they uh, they they have a local artist make a piece of art specifically for the band as like a as like a like a thank you, mm-hmm. and they made this head that has portions of. Uh, uh, all of our albums artwork like painted on the head and then there's like a like a gas mask on it um so uh as soon as we opened it up and we saw what it was all the other guys were in, in the band were like oh i guess chris is getting this because you know he's got his mask collection <laughs> um that's yeah, awesome yeah and then uh and then another one this one on the second shelf closest to me mm-hmm. Um, it was from this movie called 1031 that uh, that a friend of mine a friend of mine scored and he was able to uh, hook me up with that. Um, yeah, and then I also this is a total nerd thing, but uh, the guy Addison who made all the skin looking ones. Um, have you ever seen the movie Red Dragon? Yes, I have. Yeah. So Mason Verger, the guy that's in the wheelchair that uh-huh. like got his face eaten by pigs. Yeah. Um, he's making a mask of Mason Verger. And uh, it's like a custom one that he's doing, and uh, he's making me one of those. And I, I've, I saw some like some progress pics of it, and oh, it's gonna be so sick! I, I can't wait. That's uh, incredible. Yeah, it's just a little collection. My, my sure. kids aren't aren't huge fans of them. They don't like coming in here because of those. Well, particularly my son because he's the youngest, and yeah. they scare him a little bit. But uh, yeah, he he gets brave sometimes. He goes up and he touches them, but. Yeah, it's, it's at work. Fun. Don't come in here. Let's yeah, put it outside the door. Come in. Yeah. <laughs> you guys toured with Slipknot, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Those, yeah, those guys are great. Um, yeah, we've done, uh, you know, quite a bit of stuff with them. We did a, we did a full U.S. tour with them. Uh, we've done some like festival dates and whatnot. And um, yeah, great guys overall. Um, you know, yeah, literally nothing but. Uh, good things to say about those guys like they're yeah they're really cool would you ever be able to score one of their masks uh no i doubt it i think their masks are uh a they're they're custom specifically for them uh and they're also they're a big deal like i don't i don't think any of those guys would be like hey you can just have one of my masks because they don't have that many um i actually have a i actually have a friend uh who runs a youtube and instagram account called house of masks Mm -hmm. and he has like hundreds of masks but it's like i would say 90 percent of them are slipknot masks and uh, they're like recreations. He's got, I, I don't know if he has any originals or not, but if you nerd out on that stuff, you should check that guy out. But yeah, those guys are really cool. It's, what's funny is um, before we toured with them, there was a, there was a Halloween back in 2005 where we were on tour and we always, we always like dress up if, if we're playing a show on Halloween and uh, we wanted to dress up like Slipknot because we thought that would be fun because there's six of us and we were like, oh, we can get like uh, our techs and like, you know, some other people to come in and be the other guys. Yeah. And uh, I forget how it happened, but there was somehow they had caught wind that I th- honestly, I think it was Randy. They had caught wind that we wanted to dress up like Slipknot. And that year they had made a bunch of like uh, consumer, like you could buy uh, replica masks of all of them at that time. So they sent them all to us. They sent us one of each and we got like jumpsuits and we, we played as Slipknot that night and we like played a Slipknot song and it was like a, it was like a fun thing. There's, yeah, there's a picture online. Uh, if you just Google under oath Slipknot, uh, you, you can see the picture of us all dressed up and it was, 
it was so fun. It was, uh, yeah, it was, it was hilarious. And then that was another one of those like full circle moment things of, uh, you know, going on tour with them and telling them that story and just laughing about it. And yeah, it was, it was fun. <laughs> I love that, man. That's so rad. That's yeah, so and rad. I don't have that mask. I don't know. I don't know where it went. The one that they that they sent me. I don't have it. Anymore. Were they like good replicas, or were they? They were pretty good. If if you uh, if you Google the the picture, I mean, they're you know, I don't know how much they were to buy. I would say that they were. I would guess they were probably seventy five bucks, a hundred bucks a piece to buy. If I had to guess based on the quality, they were they were pretty good. Like, um, I mean, they're obviously not like, you know, the quality of like the custom stage ones but that sure. you know for a for a store-bought mask like they're top tier wow yeah it's such a small world man yeah such it's, a small it's, world yeah it's 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 wild and what's funny is with when stuff like that happens i tend to um you know not tech not technically with the slipknot thing but um you know when when i was younger my mom uh she took a lot of she like she took a lot of tapes and cds away from me because she uh, you know, she thought that that would be, um, you know, she thought it was like evil and, you know, mm-hmm. she's an amazing, amazing woman. She was just doing her best. And uh, but, yeah, I had a lot of music taken away from me back in the day. And we've since toured with a lot of those bands that she would like take the music away. And she now looks back on it. And she's like, yeah, that was, you know, kind of silly. You yeah. know, I was just doing doing my best. But, you know, whenever I will meet or tour with a band or a person in a band that she like took their music away, I will always tell them that story because I think it's so funny. And then I will also like, you know, like I'll text my mom be like, hey, guess what? Guess who we're going on tour with? Like, <laughs> you know, and um, that's yeah, that's always a, a funny uh a funny I, thing. My I mom love that. About it. Bring yeah. her into it. Yeah. I, bought, I bought the chronic four times because my dad broke it. <laughs> Evie kept breaking it. Uh, there's a pot leaf on it. And he's like, I will not have a pot leaf in my home. <laughs> and uh, yeah, grew up in a Mormon household. They were very strict on, oh, on listening to and And uh, yeah, four times. I just wow. started hiding it under my bed or leaving it in my disc man in my, in my uh, backpack. But I, I know what wow. you're talking about with the whole like, and then, if you end up meeting one of those people, whatever, like uh, I think it was, uh, and this is probably a moot point now, but uh, in Mexico City, I went down uh, with Refused, and uh, Manson was playing, and I was like, I'm gonna get a selfie with Marilyn Manson, and my manager at the time was like, Yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I, you can try, but it's probably not gonna happen. I was like, I'll do it, and so I, I made my way through. I had the pass and everything, so I could get back there where we were already at, and he's coming off stage, and I. I tell him, hey, Manson, let's get a picture. This is before all this stuff came out with the the awfulness, um, the real awfulness. Um, and he's like, no, no, like this. And I was like, dude, I flew from Portland, Oregon for this. And he's like, well, that's a messed up thing to say. Give me your phone. I'll take it. And so he's like, are you ready? And he's like, like doing his things. He's like, you know, like ready. And I'm just like, hey. <laughs> and I show it to, to Mike when I get done with it. And he's like, dude, you did it. And uh <laughs> Oh my God. It was just the funniest thing. So I sent it to my mom and cause she, she had taken my antichrist superstar record. Uh, and I was like, Hey, guess who I'm hanging out with? <laughs> she about lost it. It's like, uh, get out of there. Who's is that Manson? Uh, oh, it was hilarious. I was like, yeah, it's, this is great. Loving it down here. See you. See you when I get home. Uh, but that That's was funny. one of those things where it was just, you could really shock. Cause he was like full makeup, everything. She just was yeah. terrified. <laughs> 
Wow. Uh, little do we know, months later, everything went really bad. Um, <laughs> well, what's that meme that went around about like, uh, oh, it turns out our parents were right or something like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. But uh, yeah, dude, small, small world. It uh, is, man. I, I love it, though. Like, you know, in general, it's 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 just rad to like, you know, to have a career in in a field that like you were a a fan of as a kid, you know, whether it's, you know, movies or music or whatever, you know, to be able to kind of have those like full circle moments where mm -hmm. you're just like, wow, like I'm actually I'm doing this thing like or I'm I'm talking to this person or whoever like. You know, it never, it's never not cool to me. Like, you know, whether I'm like, you know, hanging out with a band that I grew up listening to, or like if I'm talking to a director of like movies that I like or an actor, whoever, like I've never like, I, I, I tend to play it cool, but I'm always like inside just like, yo, what, what's going on? You know, like, yeah. this is like so crazy. Um, but I, I love it, man. It's, yeah, it's, it's. It's rad life, man. It's freaking. Well, you guys always take care of fans too, and and uh, you know, like there's a. I always I I I would mention this. You know, I mentioned it with Spencer. Mentioned it with with Tim as well. Uh, a friend of mine that passed away, Kyle Cook, here in Portland. Yeah. Uh, you remember him? I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know you knew Kyle. Oh yeah. And Tim gave him that guitar, and like mm -hmm. it's just incredible. Favorite band in the world, and uh, yeah, sweet sweet guy. He used to practice in the basement of the club I lived in. And that's mm -hmm. how I met him. And then we would talk about bands and stuff like that. And he was talking about how much he loved Under Oath. And we were playing that Warp Tour uh, where he came out to the last show he went to, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where I met his mom. And mm -hmm. uh, just a sweet, sweet, sweet kid. And and uh, yeah, it, it's I, I think it's always um, I think like when I think about someone like Kyle, I think about like the impact that he had on us. And I feel like people most of the time look at, oh, like there's this, you know, there's this band and I'm getting to meet them or I'm getting to go to this show or whatever. And like, mm -hmm. and a lot of times they're not thinking about like, hey, like, I wonder if I'm having an impact on these people somehow, you know, mm -hmm. and Kyle in particular, um, you know, he he was a big deal to us just as a, as a person. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think that a lot of it was just really putting into perspective life at that time. Mm -hmm. And, um, the, uh, you know, things that you may complain about or, you know, just, I, I think that there, there'll be certain situations or certain people that you meet that just do that where they just kind of, snap everything into focus mm -hmm. and you're like oh like you know just knowing this person or meeting this person has like helped me going forward not just in a oh i feel good for a day but like hey like you know if my life was going this way after meeting this person maybe it's only shifted five degrees that way but now my life is going in this direction mm -hmm. you know and um you know he was he was one of those people to us and, um, you know, the fact for us, the fact that, you know, somebody going through what he was going through got even just a small amount of joy from seeing us play or hanging out with us. Like that's like, 
crazy to us. You know, like yeah. we, we, we hung out with him. Uh, we were playing, I think we were playing Roseland and him and his mom came out. Um, I think it may have been the last time we saw him, I think, but I remember he was on our bus and he was like, uh, it's like not, not doing great physically. Mm-hmm. And like, I remember just being like, man, like, I don't have a problem in the world, you know, like I don't have, there's, there's nothing that I have that is an issue right now, you know? Mm. And, um, you know, I think that, that those things are, are important to remember. Um, you know, cause I mean, he's passed away. Gosh, what? 10 years ago now? Oh, yeah. A little more than that. Like he, uh, yeah, it was, it was crazy. Cause his funeral, they, they filled, uh, like I think it was called the Foursquare Church. They filled that and then had two other meeting houses that they broadcasted on video to fit all wow. the people. In incredible, incredible yeah. uh amount of lives that he touched. But yeah. Yeah, he loved you guys, man. Oh my God. Like Yeah, and that was that I mean, and for us too, like we, you know, we knew it, but at the end of the day, like he was he was just a rad dude Mm -hmm. and he was fun to hang out with and like i would always think like man like you know i i love that i get to do this as a job because it has put me in in a position where i'm able to meet someone like this and i Mm -hmm. i think more so than oh you know it's cool playing in a band or whatever i think of it more as if i were not doing this like we would have never met you know Mm -hmm. and you know whatever impact we had on him would not have happened and whatever impact he had on us would not have been a thing either. So, um, yeah, he, yeah, that, that, that whole situation is crazy. And, you know, I've, I've heard from his mom here and there, um, over the past few years, like not, not so much recently, but, um, yeah, she seemed to be, you know, doing well considering. So yeah. Strong woman. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Strong woman, man. And now being parents ourselves, you see that in your kids. Uh, and just like, I can't imagine. I don't want to nah. imagine. But uh, yeah. and not to to bring the somber note down. But I always told her too, like, if I ever converse with with the under oath dudes, I'll absolutely bring him up. And and uh, I've done so on on the last couple with with Spencer and Tim and and uh, with you. I remember the first time I met him, he he was pl- practicing in the basement, and I was walking by and I introduced myself and. Uh, He's like, you want to see something crazy? I was like, yeah, sure. And he's like, hand me that mic stand over there. I hand him the mic stand, and he takes it and puts his leg on the drum with his pants on and goes, wham, as hard as he could. And I was just like, whoa. And it just went ping. And he pulls his pant leg up to show it's a a prosthetic leg with that metal and freaked (laughs) me out. I never forgot that. I'll never forget that. I thought he was like going to break his own leg. And he's like, no, man, it's cool. They had to take my leg from cancer or whatever, but uh, they've just flipped my foot around backwards. So I can use that as a knee. And I was like, dude, like I've wow. known you for three minutes. And we're yes. like, it's like, whoa. <laughs> and, uh, What's funny is that's the exact the exact reaction that he wanted to. He's, yeah. he's like, I just want to freak some people out. This would be crazy. <laughs> Man. Oh, well, what what do you have? Uh, what do you have the rest of the year? You got film stuff. You got tour stuff coming. What do you have coming up? Yeah. I know so Randy's got- working on that, but. Yeah, yeah, we've got some flyouts that we're doing. Uh, we're doing a um, couple, like we're doing Blue Ridge Rock Fest. We're doing Aftershock. 
Uh, we've got a cruise that we're doing uh, toward the end of the year with uh, Thursday and Dashboard and Newfound Glory wow. and some other bands. Um, and then uh, we're working on a like full blown tour for next year, like spring, late late winter, early spring. Uh, but as far as film stuff goes, I am uh, yeah, I'm pretty booked for the rest of the year. So very thankful for that. Um, I've got, I got a film coming out that I did on July 8th called God's waiting room. That was the film that I was at Tribeca for last year. Okay. Um, and then, uh, I've got one, uh, coming out called breathing happy, uh, that I'm not sure exactly when that's coming out, but it's playing a Chattanooga film fest tomorrow. It's premiering there tomorrow. And then, um, I am finishing up a uh, a PG kids werewolf movie uh, called Sweet. The Beast Comes at Midnight, and uh, that's going to be coming out toward the end of the summer, I think. Uh, and then, yeah, I've got some stuff in the pipeline that uh, I'm hoping pans out, and you know we'll see. But uh, yeah, you know, just trying to keep it, uh, trying to stay busy, and you know, not not go crazy, you know, hang yeah. out with my, hang out with my wife and kids and make some music and yeah, just freaking doing the dang thing. That's wonderful, man. The, the, the werewolf movie, is it come out like Netflix or is it coming out in theaters? Uh, no, it's going to be, I don't know. They haven't worked out a distribution deal. I know it's going to get a limited theatrical release. Uh, and then I think it's going to be on like Hulu or Amazon prime or something. Okay. Um, yeah, Where I, I could rent got... it with my kids because we would do yeah. Friday pizza movie night every week. Oh, I would it. love okay. to put that on. How old are your kids? Uh, they are 10 and nine. Got it. Okay. It's, it's exactly the, the age range that this movie is going towards. So yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. Like it's, uh, you know, very, uh, uh, yeah, very much so a kids movie. So awesome. it's uh, it, it's cool. It's like that was one of the big reasons that I took it was it's it'll be the first thing that I've ever scored that my kids can watch because uh, everything I've done up until now has been you know on the darker end of things and you know just yeah you know adult you know not adult adult but you know like you know PG thirteen slash R rated stuff and <laughs> yeah so I'm stoked to be able to uh, watch it with my kids so Man, yeah I love that you're such a bright person like not and I bright intelligent of course but like a bright uppity person that creates such moody dark uh make you feel things that's so cool to me that the, the yeah, i like yeah i like music sad and yeah heavy yeah not like not necessarily like uh like heavy heavy like breakdown heavy but just like emotionally heavy that's yeah. that's just, and that's what i like listening to like oh and like crazy like pop music too but uh, I don't make a whole lot of pop music, but hey, you know, one oh, of these days. I just love that. I love that about you. And uh, dude, this has been awesome. I I really oh, thank you for having me, man. This dude, has been really cool. We'll have you back anytime, anytime. You got a movie coming out or whatever, like we'll do it again. This is fun. Awesome. Um, yeah, man, I really appreciate it. But uh, yeah, 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 thank you. Uh, yeah, I'll be in touch. I'll I'll text I'll text Rick here. See what he says about Monster. And then, uh, uh, yeah, you. Yeah, and then I'll, uh, I'll once you hit me back, I'll hit Randy and I'll be like, hey, perfect. I gotta I got something you have to do. Perfect. Right on, brother. Well, have a good rest of your evening, man. And uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Thank you. Talk soon. See ya. All right. Bye. Bye. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Chris Dudley from Under Oath. What an awesome dude. That was a really fun chat. I'm sorry my voice is a little weird. I'm having some extreme allergies now that the weather's cleared up in Portland. 
I am currently recording this in our laundry room, which is a sunroom, which is probably 115 degrees right now at eight o'clock at night. It's crazy. Uh, the last three days have been insane. So uh, like I said, sorry, it's a day late, but it is here. And uh, hopefully you guys can check out some of Chris's movies he's scored. Um, just a, just an awesome dude. I love having people like him on the show because they're just so fun and down to earth and uh, just love to chat. And that's what this is all about. Uh, so if you guys like the show, definitely tell a friend about it. Rate and review on iTunes and rate the show on Spotify if you're listening to it there now. I know we're in a ton of podcast catchers and all the platforms are on Pandora now. Literally everywhere you can stream podcasts, you can find this show. If you have an option to rate it or review it, definitely do that. Uh, tell a friend. It's the best thing you can do is the word of mouth, spreading the word of mouth. Um, I've got a ton more coming for you. A ton more actually already done. Even if nothing else happened, those would come out. But also a lot more coming up. This summer is going to be a lot of fun. And I'm stoked to share it with you guys. So I'm going to get out of here. We've got a ton left to do. But as always, we'll see you on the radio. Hello everybody, I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan, and this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The, the Corner, Corner of Grey Street. Street.